Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fabulous co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. Hey, everyone. That's me. (laughs) Yay. We are back here with you for another episode of Groove Therapy. We are now fully into 2021, and uh, we're really excited about what this year is going to bring, especially for this podcast. The interviews so far have been so inspirational, and I am really loving hearing from you guys about how it's impacting you as well. Yeah, that's definitely like one of our favorite parts when we get messages and feedback from all of you because I mean, this podcast really is about you and what you all want to hear. And we want to make sure that we're providing you with the most interesting content. So we just love it when you're sending us messages. Yeah, it really lets us know that like there's somebody out there listening. And, you know, we have no idea what kind of an impact this podcast is making unless you tell us that. So whether it's by your reviews on Apple Podcasts or by sending us personal messages, like I just got an email this morning, in fact, from a listener who contacted me through my website, embodiedgroove.com. And she must have listened to the Reed Mathis episode because she was kind of talking about live music for attachment disorders, which, you know, there actually isn't any specific research that has been done to tie those two together. But I'm like putting it out there to be able to do some research in that area and to get a grant going. So if anybody knows anybody who wants to help partner with that, I would be very excited about that. But this listener was really, you know, hadn't thought about that in their own lives and then started to think about that and started to do some of their own research on that. And now she's really excited about going, taking it further and getting a degree in psychology and and wants to know my experience with that, which I'm happy to share. So I love that how things that you might hear on this podcast might plant those seeds that can maybe open up a career for you or at least help you to understand things in your life a little bit differently. Like that's why I'm doing this. And I think this is why Tara Lee is doing this too. So yeah, and I've gotten messages too from listeners where they're like, I just listened to your podcast. And you're totally validating why live music is so important to me because we know as fans how important it is. It's like, it's not frivolous. It's not like it is it's important to our health. And a lot it's so wonderful when I got that message because I was like, yes, that is what it's about. And and like I also just knowing the research um, and all of the studies that Leah has done in her entire life, like I am constantly validated as well. And it feels really good. Yeah, it really does. And I can't tell you like how good that feels because that's absolutely part of the reason that we're even talking about this because It is important to us. It's important to so many people. It's important to humanity as a whole. And the more that we can believe that and know that and feel validated in that, the more we're going to keep doing it and we're going to 
you know, know that we're doing the right thing. So it's really exciting. And like, I definitely am not grateful that live music went away for this long because of the pandemic. But the part that I am grateful for is that it's giving us and all of you out there kind of time to really reflect and to really notice how big of an impact the live music experience has had on ourselves and our life and our health and our wellness um, as a whole. And so this has been a really important time in my life, actually, to be able to like, I always knew it, but now I like really know it. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, just because we were living it so much and like just going out and having our bodies and souls and minds rocked like, you know, countless times a week. And that's that's just what we did. And it felt so good. But, you know, we never knew it was going to come to an end so abruptly and and we were going to lose that. So yeah, and I'm never going to be a brat again. That's like, ugh, I just can't decide. There's so much good music happening. <laughs> I can't decide what to go to. <laughs> like, I'm like never going to do that again. I appreciate it so much. And like I realize how like I didn't really take it for granted, but there were definitely times where I felt like that and that is gone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. Uh, the day I can't wait until those days come again. Well, Tara Lee, I know that, you know, in the meantime of live music, not being here and having some extra time to focus on some other things, you've really been diving into some business stuff and getting really clear on that. And you kind of, you kind of discussed that a little bit in our end of the year kind of wrap up. But what do you have going on right now? Yeah, so I'm working with entrepreneurs that want to make money and have fun while building a business that has an impact on the world. And so I have a really cool free workshop that um, is happening actually like probably the day that this comes out. Um, But there's a couple of dates that you can choose from. And it's called Make 2021 Your Bitch. And so you can tell 2021 to hold your kombucha while you get down getting down to the business of manifesting your dream life. So during this workshop, if you want to rock your vision and life in 2021, gallivant down the path towards lucrative entrepreneurship, expand all your goals and take your life to the next level, break on through all the blocks that hold you back, find clarity on what it is that you desire so you can take aligned action to make it happen with greater ease and raise your vibe so you dance into the new year confident, inspired and motivated, then this workshop is for you. So you can find out the information on my Instagram. I feel like that's the best way to find it. I'm at Rocking Life with two underscores after. So if you're listening to this podcast on your phone right now, open the Instagram app and go to Rocking Life with two underscores. Go to the link in my bio and you will find the sign up for this event. And if you're unable to go, it'll be recorded. But I would love to have you there live um, because there'll be some spot on coaching that happens there. And then I also started a Facebook group that has been so amazing. Um, There's already like, I think 600, 614 members at this moment, but it's growing by the second. And it is called the Magic is Normal Crew. And I would love to have you be a part of it. Um, We talk about how to use that magic to have a positive impact on the world, the art of manifesting, all the high vibe stuff, mindset shifting, soul-centered business tip, and all the support to dream big and how to keep going when the going gets tough. And that's one thing that I have just been so like in awe about the people in this group is everybody is just so supportive of each other and their dreams. And it's just so beautiful. I like, (laughs) like brings up emotion because 
is just such it's like the happiest place on the internet. And so I'd love to have you join me there. It's called the Magic is Normal Crew. And you can find it on Facebook. Um, you could also go to my Instagram bio and there's a link there. And I will let you in and you can be part of the most magical crew on the internet. Yeah, I'm a part of it too. Yay! <laughs> yeah. And what do you have going on right now? Yeah, well, you know, as you were talking about, you know, aligning to your best self and, and everything, I was just thinking about the vision board workshop that I just did right before we started recording this um, with some of the Shine Collective members. And so that's really what I'm digging into right now, just really being there to support them. The Shine Collective is an online membership that I have, and it's really a lifestyle medicine membership for live music fans. So really helping to support people in making those healthy decisions in all of the areas that we know are important for us, but we might not necessarily actually do. So it's a supportive community to help people with that. But in addition to that, it's I really help people with, like you said, the mindset stuff. I mean, my expertise is in the mental and emotional well-being. And of course, that affects our physical well-being but some of the practices in that, and then also helping people to get really clear on how to live from their values and like what is right for them. So that's what the Shine Collective is all about. And I will be opening up membership in a few months. I do it really twice a year. So in the spring and in the fall. And if you're interested in just learning more about what I'm up to, I have a newsletter that I send out at least twice a month, and you can sign up for that on embodiedgroove.com. Also, right now, I still have the Way of Being 2021 guided meditation to just kind of take you through to help you get clear on what you do want to bring into your life this year, because so often we focus on what we don't want, what's out there, you know, like all of the other people and what we focus on is what grows. So if you want to let go of the fear, if you want to let go of the disappointment with the struggle and everything that comes along with what you're seeing out there that's not inside of you, then help yourself to tap into what you do want. And that way of being 2021 meditation will help you to do that. Yeah. I mean, with the way the world is a little crazy right now, and so you all need to get on all of Leah's stuff because it will really help you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, you know, we can't control what's going on outside of ourselves, but we do have control on what's going on inside of ourselves. And a lot of us, you know, we just haven't really been taught that. It's not something that we learn in our education, unfortunately. So that's what I love to help support people in. It's been a journey for my life and just helps so much especially when the world feels like it's totally gone mad around you. <laughs> you can remember that <laughs> that there is some peace and some happiness that can still be found and it can be found inside of you. Yeah. And you can find that by hanging out with the two of us on the internet. And also Osiris has the most amazing podcast that will definitely give you a little like vacation <laughs> from life. <laughs> so you can check them all out at Osiris Pod. I they're just there's so many of them. I don't even know where to start, but you can check it out for yourself and let us know which ones are your favorite. Yeah. What are you listening to, especially from Osiris? And we are a part of Osiris Pod and we're really grateful to be there with all of these other amazing podcasts. Yeah. See, so there you go. You're doing it already because you're listening to us and we're on Osiris Pod. <laughs> <laughs> check you out, making it happen already. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our episode 
this time, we have a really special guest here with us this time. As always, but <laughs> I know it's so funny. We're like, we have the most special guest ever. And it's because we feel that way about every guest that we picked. They are like the most special guest ever. And Edith is no exception. She is also such an incredible human. The second I met her, I think the first time I met her was at Gathering of the Vibes. And we talk about our meeting during the interview. So you'll have to keep on listening to find out about that. But the second I met her, I was like, this is a special person and I just have to get to know her more. And then ever since no, like meeting her, then she just popped into my life all the time and I saw her all over the place. And it was just such a joy and a pleasure every time. And she is connected to our last guest, Jay Blakesburg. And so Leah, do you want to talk a little bit about that connection? Sure. Yeah. So our guest this time is Edith Johnson. And she ran a blog called Festival Girl for a long time. So you may know her under that name, Festival Girl. That blog is not active right now, but it, it definitely helped to propel her into a lot of the things that she's done recently and, and the future projects that she has going on. And so one of the things that she did was to write the words for Jay Blakesburg's book, Hippie Chick. And Edith will tell you all about how she met Jay. And I just love that story. That's part of the interview. So definitely listen for that. But Edith has a way. So she is a journalist. She's a writer. And she has just taken a lot of time to really reflect on this experience of live music. And Edith talks about definitely a three-night run that really, you know, opened her up to new ways of relating to live music, which is really cool to listen to in the interview. And so she just has this way of words and she talks about how she met Jay, how she started collecting all of the interviews for the Hippie Chick book, because in addition to Jay's amazing photography, there are captions with many of the images. And then Edith takes really like three specific page long pages and the tagline for the book is a tale of love devotion and surrender and she really sat with these different aspects of the live music experience and and wrote these words that I just feel like capture it so well and you know this was another thing that was part of the email that I received from the listener is like and Terry, kind of the same thing that you were talking about too, to hear these words that you know to be true in your body and your soul from your own experience and to read them from somebody else's experience is just like, it's so connecting and it's so validating and it's so inspiring. So I'm just going to read some of Edith's words. So you guys settle in and listen for, for just a little bit. So this first one is on devotion. In the religion of rock and roll, ours is the path of devotion. Whether we are born into it or born again, we offer ourselves humbly to the sound. Music is our gospel, the venue is our shrine, and the show is our mecca. To those of us who truly believe, no distance is too great, no pilgrimage too arduous, to worship in joyful communion with our soul family. It's a homecoming. It's our lineage and destiny. Tour becomes our teacher, and the endless road beckons us to gather the tribe. So just allowing those words to sink in for just a moment. Yeah, everybody take a deep breath in and exhale out. 
And now I'm just going to read the first paragraph on surrender. The key to unlocking the full splendor of a live music experience is surrender. Not giving up, but giving in. Participation unbound. Drifting out of the mind, we float into pure presence. We turn it all over to the music, emptying everything, expecting nothing, and making room to be rocked. The sound fills us. It takes us and teaches us. Each show is an opportunity to step out of time and into the flow, to release the wheel and let it ride. Eyes closed, hands to the sky, we relinquish control and dance into the unknown. And take a deep breath in. And exhale out. I just feel different after hearing, having, after having you read that to me. Yeah, I was definitely noticing goosebumps at the end and just the power of this amazing experience that has connected all of us so deeply and that we love so much and that while we might not be able to do it right now, we will absolutely be back because it is so important. And in the meantime, we get to continue to connect with these words and connect with each other and to talk about it. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Well, we'll be right back with Edith. So stay tuned. Welcome back. And we have Edith here. Edith, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you. And I loved our little dance party that we just had. I was like imagining all of us dancing together in real life. And I can't wait till we get to do that again. But we're here right now. Yeah, thank you for having me here and for the dance party. That really felt like the real thing. Yeah, it's amazing how just moving our bodies for a couple of minutes like can bring us all of those emotions and connect us in all the ways. So I'm super excited about this interview. And thank you so much for saying yes. Jay Blakesburg was our last interviewee. And so if you guys haven't listened to that interview, definitely go and check that out. But the way that I found out about you was actually through his book, Hippie Chick, which you wrote the words to, which I was just reviewing them before we came on today. And like, I'm a words girl. And so they just speak to me so much. And I'd love to hear your process of how you, because you took words from, I think you, how many people was it that you interviewed? 81, 81 women. women. 81 yeah, women. I was one of them. <laughs> Yay. Yes, you were. And yeah, and so you were able to take their words and well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the process of that? Um, for sure. So 81 women, and it was a really interesting adventure in terms of how we wanted to get those interviews. Initially, we started doing that on site at festivals, which had a lot of benefits, but also in terms of digital voice recording, there was a lot of you know, extra noise and or fuzz and I would lose some of the interviews or people were in a rush to catch the next set. So they didn't really want to sit and spend time, you know, discussing the experience. So we kind of transitioned maybe a third or a quarter of the way through to getting their information at the festival and then reaching out to them after. And kind of after, I think Tara Lee has written about this before, but, you know, the post-festival blues, the PFB, waiting for them to get home from the festival get through the blues, have time to integrate the experience, and then be able to offer some like insight into their experiences in music. So kind of a mixture of 
on-site interviews and email interviews, telephone interviews, and ended up with about, I don't know, somewhere between like definitely more than 200 pages of transcription, but maybe even closer to 300 because most of the women were about one to two pages of transcription. Some were like four to five pages. So it was so hard to curate which quotes we wanted to use because we had so much awesome material. I honestly think there's like four sequels <laughs> because we had, it was just so hard. And we really wanted to make sure every voice was represented. And so it really was like, you know, what makes sense with the images, but like what speaks most to me in terms of my experience? Like, what do I think will resonate with other people who have lived this like grand adventure of touring around following their favorite bands? But it was, it was hard. It was hard to hone in and really decide what to use because we really had great just these people were so generous, Tara Lee included. I remember when I first met Tara Lee at Gathering of the Vibes, and I had asked her, this was before I interviewed her, I asked her to pose for a photo with Jay. And she was like, I'm eating my breakfast, but like, come back to me after. And I just immediately loved her because it was just such a like, I don't know, she's such a down to earth, like awesome response, you know, good example of like, I want to participate in this, but like, I, I'm having my experience. And this is my boundary and we can reconvene after it. I just loved it so much. Oh, yeah. I think that was a bunch of women being topless in a bus. I think that's what the picture was, right? I think it it was on the further bus. I think it was. I don't think that you ended up in that photo to my knowledge, but I don't remember. Yeah. I can't remember what happened. I think I went at the wrong time or I got mixed up or something like that, but I wanted to be in it. I was planning on it, but. Well, I loved it. I loved loved the, the initial interaction and I didn't know like how sort of like, not ubiquitous, but I definitely feel like I saw you after that, like maybe because I hadn't seen you before. But once I like, had a vision of you, then at other shows, I just always like, saw you or felt like magnetized for you. because You just were like burned in my memory of like, oh, I think I have a connection with this person and how they relate to music and to life. And, and that was such a cool, that was one of the really amazing, there were so many amazing things that happened to me in the process of writing this book. But one of those things is just connecting and meeting so many people in, you know, the larger community of of music fans and, you know, building friendships or just even acquaintances that like, if at a show I lost whoever I was with and connected up with them, it just really like broadened my circle of people that I knew in the community. It was, it was so awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I mean, music itself creates community. And that's one of the things that we like I love the music but it's also the community to me is equally as important as the music is and so by working on this book you almost had a whole nother community of people that you were connected to and you were the face of it whenever I saw you I was like oh it's Edith hippie chick like it it helped me to remember you even more not that like you're impossible to forget because you're such like a magically magical sparkle fairy but that was like another way that people can remember you and you're like a leader of a movement and it, it was so neat. I felt so much gratitude to be included in that and have that that opportunity that Jay gave me. And and actually for me, that was like a revelation, the community aspect of festivals, because that is not at all like how I got into the scene. I really was like, it's about me and the music. And if I can just like lay on the stage while they play around me, that's perfect. I don't need like other people to be part of this with me. And so Jay kind of like modeled a different approach to music. And the more I met and heard from other people, the more I like, like the veil in front of me was like lifted to realize that the community was important to me because I was like, I'm a lone wolf. I want to be in the front. I don't want to wait for like 
other people to decide which you know set they want to go to. I don't care. I want to go to the set I want to go to. And this is, you know, I really have like a self-centered, you know, and it's not even to like denigrate that view. It's just that that's how I approached it initially. And I didn't understand like how valuable and nourishing it would be to really connect with the community. So that was like a huge revelation for me in the process of the book. I have a couple of questions that come out from that. One is I'm really curious as to how you and Jay met at first, you know, and connected to be able to do this project. But then also just hearing your process of that, because then you actually created an experience at a festival for women where you created, I can't remember what it was called exactly, but yeah, so you not only took that and ran with it, but you actually created an experience for others. So whichever one of those you feel interested in answering first. Or... I'm so interested in both of those because they're both like hugely important, but I'll start with talking about how I met Jay. You know, I think I, I had just, I'd been like a year into my blog, but I'd been thinking about the blog since like 2010. I lived in Europe for most of my twenties in France. I moved back in 09 and you know, I went back, did my master's degree, and then was like the summer before my starting a PhD, I think. No, maybe it was the summer before master's, doesn't matter. I saw fish. My sister was like, we have to like see this band. They reunited. They're amazing. And they were just completely not on my radar. I did not care. She's like, we have to go to all three nights, which for me was Where like, was why? This? What, like, what, what three fun. nights? It was the okay. in, in 2010. Yeah. And it was, ended up being such a crazy experience because I didn't know, like, there were so many things I didn't know. Like, we got there, the tickets we had purchased for the first night, like, we had hard tickets for the second two, but the other ticket that she had purchased was from, like, t- not Ticketmaster, StubHub, and it ended up that it was, like, counterfeit, and it was, like, tears, wailing, gnashing of teeth, like, so stressing, like, there's two other nights, like, it's fine, you know, kind of thing, but we ended up getting in eventually, like, just by the grace of other people and like, you know, begging in, but it was such a like, that was just like the beginning of a new, I think, chapter for me, because I think I was like, kind of in this thing of like, only listening to what I liked and not trying new stuff. I grew up like really in classic rock. And I love reggae and I loved hip hop. And I just I didn't know people that like listened to fish. And so that was like, as an adult, the first time I like, went to a show where I had no idea what was going to happen and was just totally like in a place of wonder, like, whoa, like this is, you know, I'm building new neural pathways. Like what is happening? Like, I can't believe this. So that was kind of when I started maybe thinking about like, I think I want to write about music, but you know, I stuck with my degree and then. And were you doing the Festival Girl blog at this time or this was prior? I think I started, that was 2010, 2011. I started like social media out social media things for festival girls so i did like a facebook page instagram twitter maybe i didn't have facebook yet maybe i I think actually i think facebook came because of jay because i don't think i had facebook at that time i think i just had twitter and instagram and i started doing that and then the idea for the blog actually wasn't really a blog initially i really wanted to make like the world's best festival database i didn't feel like it existed i had this like thought that I was just like Ghostbusters and there's a problem and I'm going to solve it because like no one else is doing this right. That's what I thought. You know, Jambase had a really good database, but aesthetically, it was just kind of like opening a dusty drawer at the library and, you know, filing through the, you know, the cards. It just wasn't like pretty. And then, but it was very comprehensive and very, in terms of like really touching all the festivals. And then 
Consequence of Sound had festival outlook, but they were missing a lot of festivals. So I was like, there's got to be a way to like have something that's like visually appealing, but really has a broader reach. So my first thought was like, I'm going to build this database, which crashed a lot, a lot, and it was very problematic. And that's how I, then I'm like, oh, I'm going to also like write down set lists and, and add those on. I'm going to blog about my experiences and, and do reviews and I'm going to post photos. So I think I took on a lot like right away that was really more than what my capabilities were at the time. Like not only just in terms of understanding how to work and build a website, but also just like time and like energetically and time was really hard to manage. But I came at it from wanting to give information to people that I felt wasn't being provided. Um, And then I started doing some blog entries and those seemed to like be the thing that like people would email me about or care about. I don't think people were like, love your database, which was fine because it was like half the time not working. Um, But I kind of started hearing from people that were like interested in like, oh, like you go alone, like, you know, what, what do you pack and started cultivating a better idea of what people wanted to know. And initially with Festival Girl, I wasn't camping alone. Like the first festivals I did were Snowball Fest in Vail. I, I had a hotel room, Voodoo Fest in New Orleans. I got a hotel room or to day festivals. I went to a lot of day festivals, but I didn't do like my first solo camping until 2012 at Wakarusa. And then Lockin, I, I think the first year of Lockin was 2013. And that's when I met Jay. I didn't meet him like in situ, but he had taken a photo of me dancing and I found out about it. I'm not sure like who had pointed it out to me, but it was on Lockin's social media. And then I was like, I just saw that photo and I was like, this photographer, whoever he or she is, totally captured what I felt. I just was so like overwhelmed. Like I felt every single feeling again. Like it was just so accurate. So I was like, I have to like meet this person. Like I love this photo. So I, I, you know, I saw his name. I Googled him. I don't think that it's up there anymore, but when I Googled him, it actually gave like his phone number, like his personal phone number. I thought I was going to be calling like a studio or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was living in New York at the time and he was in California. So I I don't know what time of day I called him. It's so embarrassing, but he answered and was like, hello, you know, and, and I was like, oh, you know, speaking a million words (laughs) per minute, like saying how much I love the photo. And he's like, who is this? You know, (laughs) when I caught my breath, which is hard for me because I get really excited. He, we finally established that he would be coming to New York, to the Brooklyn Bowl to sign copies of his book jam. And I should come meet him and, and, and get a copy of the book and, you know, chat. So I went to, to go meet him and I had just done business cards. They were like horrible. I think it said like, you know, Edith Johnson, festival girl journalist with like nothing exciting. I don't even know if I had my email on there. It's just so, I, no, I did. I did. See, emailed me. Maybe I didn't have my number, but I had my email. So I gave him a card and was just like so stoked at meeting this person who so perfectly captured what I was experiencing. And I just didn't have any other expectation that we would be in communication. I didn't give him my card thinking like, hit me up so I can, you know, write something. He did get in touch like a couple months later and said, you know, can you send me the link to your blog? And so I did. And then I didn't hear for a while. And I was like, oh man, like, you know, the blog's a mess. And I had all this like self-doubt creeping in and like then looking at my blog and like seeing if there was anything I wanted Mm -hmm. to delete or like, was Mm -hmm. it terrible? But you know, he's a busy man. So it just took him a while. And then he eventually got back and was like, this is my idea for a project. You know, would you be interested? And at that 
point, I didn't really know what his expectations or, or needs were going to be in terms of like what he wanted from me as a writer. But I knew that it was going to involve going to a lot of shows and, you know, talking to a lot of people who were interested in this same, you know, this same community and this same, who loved music the way that I did. And really, if I'm honest with myself, besides providing information, I never thought that with Festival Girl, I was going to make money, but I really wanted to get to go see more shows. So I'm like, if I can say like, I'm a journalist, like, mm-hmm. give me a pass, you know? So I think with Jay, it was like, one of the initial appeals was like, we're going to work on this project. I don't know what it is. I'd only seen his book jam and I knew his photography was amazing, but I didn't really even take time to like, think about like, is this in my wheelhouse? What can I offer to him? Like, do I want to do this project? Do I have time? I just said yes, because I wanted to like be around music as much as possible. And however I could get there, I was like, okay, this path is good put in front of me. I am diving in and whatever you need from me, like I'm going to make it happen. So that's how we met. That's such an amazing story. I love it so much. And it's how Festival Girl was kind of, you were looking to solve a problem. Like you said, you were Ghostbusters and it solved a problem. But then like little did you know, it was the launching pad to all these other amazing things that you've done. I started with the magazine Healthy Hippie and it's like, it's not something I do now, but it was such the launching pad that brought me all the other things that I have. And it sounds like that's exactly what Festival Girl was to you too. A hundred percent. I don't do the blog anymore. And actually I did like, you know, put it on hold while I was working on Hippie Chick. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll come back to it. But I did realize that it was like a door that was pushing me towards other things. And I think it was a relief in some ways because I took on this project that I was excited about, but also overwhelmed with and not sure how to tackle. And then I saw, you know, in retrospect, I see like, wow, because of, you know, Festival Girl, I got to work on Hippie Chick. I got to work with with Best 300. They paid for me to go to Coachella and write about fashion, which I know nothing about, but it was amazing. You know, I got to meet a lot of cool people there and got to, you know, write for Live for Live Music or through Jay, I met, you know, the people that ran the magazine hitting the note and they sent me free CDs to, to write reviews of. So all these other things started happening, but really like I owe it all to Festival Girl because I attempted to offer something and then it kind of pushed me and into other directions. And like, we were saying earlier, I did end up working on a, on a women's camp space at Electric Forest. And I didn't start that, but I was one of the first people involved in that project, which is what I think you were referring mm-hmm. to earlier. And that was another just big eye opener in terms of understanding where I wanted to go next. And, and sort of now I feel like we'll see what the future holds. But working with women in such an intimate space in such a large festival. I mean, Electric Forest is a huge festival and having this really small community of women to work with and, you know, bearing witness, holding space, just talking with these women and helping them make connections with each other and with the music was amazing. So that's something that I was only kind of scratching the surface with. I did that 2016, 17 and 18 and had such an amazing experience. And the people there from Madison House that reached out to me to work on that was because Jay had referred me to them. So that was also totally related to Hippie Chick, which was totally related to Festival Girl. So amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that camping thing? Because I don't know that everybody knows exactly what that is. Yeah. And I think that they were doing it, you know, as recently as 2019. But 
they started the program Her Forest in 2015. And then in 2016, they decided to bring in a camp. So I was brought in to be the women's camping host. So Her Forest as a larger program was about bringing in different women in the music industry, you know, hosting panels on how to be an ally, women in the festival industry, you know, people wanting to maybe, they had sort of like career building opportunities for women who were attending the festival who wanted to know about festival production and how can they get involved and how can they network. So that it, that aspect was there. And then there were meetups for people that had different sets they wanted to go to, but they came either alone or in small groups and they wanted to have a meetup with a larger group of women to go hold, you know, hold down one area at a show. So it started that way. And then the camping was women who not always attended alone. Some of them were alone. Some of them were in groups of two or three, but they wanted to camp in a women only camping space. So women identified people space and it was magical. And we had a lot of events just within the camping group. We had yoga, we had circles where we would just women's circles where we would essentially just listen to each other, which was totally new, not totally new, but new ish to me, like understanding the power of just listening and hearing someone else's story and how valuable that is. And actually after the second year, I think we sent out a survey the second year asking like what people liked the most. And a lot of people just loved the circle, which I was like, wow, that's so cool. We had like a million other things. We saw music, we did this, we did that, but everybody loved to sit in the circle and just bear witness to each other, which is so cool. Yeah, it can be so powerful. I've been a part of circles and led circles and I, Tara Lee, I know you have too. And uh, yeah, just to be like seen in a vulnerable, but yet whole way by other people can be so healing. Yeah. And I'd love to see, you know, through social media that a lot of the women who met in that program have become friends that like travel well, not so much with COVID, but travel pre-COVID to go to shows together or who have really maintained contact and community with each other and support each other and are, you know, giving encouragement to each other. It's so awesome. And just also realizing like, you know, sometimes we don't know what it is that we have to offer. And I think I've definitely benefited from being part of Her Forest just in terms of understanding, you know, at that time, I'm 41 now, but I was, you know, in my late 30s. And a lot of the women, not all of them, but a lot of them were in their, you know, late teens, early 20s and, and realizing like, oh, like, I can speak on this issue, I can give you some just information from like, what my experiences has been that may be helpful, maybe, maybe so maybe not, but I'm um, just understanding that, that a lot of the information I've accumulated that I may not have thought had any special utility was valuable to some of these people. And they've reached out and told me that and it's, I'm so grateful that I, you know, could serve in that way. Yeah, I've often had that vision or that kind of insight that how important it is because uh, I'm I'm 42 and like feel like, you know, I'm an, not an elder in the community, but certainly not in my 20s anymore and like I just feel such a desire to like hold that mama role, you know? Like I've had a lot of experience. I mean, I started seeing live music really in, I guess it was probably 18, you know, 18, 19, like for real started seeing live music. And so that's a long time and had so much experience from that. And I think that, you know, whether a woman is in their 20s or even in their 30s or, you know, it's like that experience and that ability to be there and to say, 
I've been through this and how can I be there for you? And these are the things that I've learned or to just listen to somebody in their own experience. Like, because these are real life experiences that we're having, you know, traveling to different places and all of the things that can happen within that and the relationships that can go awry or, you know, the things that can happen and, and to have somebody, a presence there, like holding that mama energy to say, I gotcha, you know, been here. Like, I I feel like it's like my duty as a woman that's, and I'm not saying that everybody should feel that way, but that's just the way that I feel. So I totally relate to that. And everybody has so much to share based on where they are in their lives. So it's so great to have, like, at a festival, there's probably people there that are in their 20s and then people that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And everybody has something that they can give based on the amount of time they were on the planet. Maybe, like, if you're older, it's, like, so nice and refreshing to hear, like, a young person's experience. And then a young person who's like, ah, (laughs) I'm lost, I need help, can really benefit from hearing the wisdom of somebody who's had a lot of experience. So it's like, we're all so much stronger together. And it's so beautiful that you were able to do that within a festival. And like, no wonder they're all like best friends for life now because they, they were heard. And that is so important to be heard and to feel safe in a space. Like when you have that, there's a lifelong bond that can never be broken. It was so cool. I mean, I, I, not I wish, I wouldn't change my past, but it would have been cool to have that when I was first coming onto the scene. You know, I, when I first camped alone at Wakarusa, amazingly, amazing, because it's just never happened since. There was another woman where I ended up parking, camping by herself. And I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be like so easy. Like there's, so that was, I think the only time I, I met another woman camping solo in like however long I was doing it. So I love that they did that. A lot of, not a lot of them, but several, I guess, were either first timers or at at a festival in general, like an overnight festival. And so that was cool because they were able to connect up either with other first timers that weren't sure how parking worked or hadn't done like a festival entry before, which is its own beast and they needed information. Or some of the other people in the camp that might have been veterans could meet up with them. I mean, we had a Facebook page and there was so much you know, ride share information and just so much support or some someone didn't have a mallet. Oh, I'm bringing a mallet. Oh, we don't have a grill. We have a grill, you know? So it was just such a kind of like idyllic space within such a large festival. I mean, not all festivals are that sprawling, but really with that festival, it was so needed. And I just thought it was brilliant that they put that together. Yeah. Even the like wisdom of like, here's where the magical porta potty is that no one uses <laughs> and is cleaning and sparkling. Like that, that's worth it in itself to me. <laughs> that's so fun. <laughs> so I want to just turn the attention back to Hippie Chick and because the tagline, or I, I think that's what you call it, like is a tale of love, devotion and surrender. And within the book, you know, there's a whole page that talks about each one of those. And this is at some point I will read some of this because the words are so powerful. And maybe I'll do that right now. So I would love to read all of this because I just feel like it encapsulates the experience so well And you obviously did a lot of reflecting and feeling into this, but I'm going to start with the love part. And so this is what it says. Music is love. It's more than a soundtrack buzzing and whirring in the background of life. It's the entire show. It's the divine spark flickering from soul to soul, connecting us to one another, to ourselves, and to the heartbeat of the universe. 
Music lives in the moment, but lingers long after, effervescent, yet everlasting. We can't pin it down and we don't need to. It flows within us and without us. It's everywhere. It's everything. It's all we need. It lights our path, offering a constant cosmic companion on the eternal highway. In its company, we discover and rediscover who we truly are. I'm just going to skip down to the end, too, because I love that as well. Waves of exhilaration wash over us. We yearn for total submersion. Whether a dewy new romance or a love as old as dirt, the prospect of a live show fills us with the beautiful buzz of anticipation. Our hearts race and our temperatures rise. We get butterflies. This is it. Every note, every song, every jam, every show is a one-way journey into the present. We buy the ticket. We take the ride. We catapult through space and time. We rise. We fall. We spin. We stall. We never want it to end. This is what we have waited for. We are complete. <sighs> so, Edith, like how, how did those words come to you? How, how did you put that all together? It's so funny thinking back about the essays because, you know, we've already discussed the process of getting the quotes and the interviews and the transcription. But Jay had chosen that, you know, love, devotion, surrender uh, structure. And I met it with some resistance just in terms of you know, I have a big career in academia and I like research and I like writing nonfiction, but I hadn't really put myself out there. Even in my blog, my blog was more about like, hey, like this is how this festival is through my eyes, but it really wasn't so intimate. And so I was very nervous to write those essays because they are so personal to me. And I feel like music has been such a big part of my entire life that it just felt intimidating. So I didn't come at it enthusiastically right away, but it's something that kind of came when it wanted to. And and to Jay's credit, he was it's such an amazing mentor. He was never like, you're late on your deadline. I've worked in, in newspaper before. So I was very nervous, like, I'm gonna get fired, you know, like I'm I haven't written what I want to say yet. Um and he was very patient. And at the time for not all of the books, but for a good chunk of the time that I was writing the essays, I had moved into a van with a guy that I met at Lockin. And it was so hard because I really wanted internet and he wanted to like be in the Everglades and be away from Starbucks and stuff like that. So it was really hard to make that happen in the context of how I was living at the time because we were just on top of each other. And when I wrote Love First, and I think when I finally had like a moment of quiet where I just forgot about the fact that people were going to read this book and just tried to be as honest as I could about my experience, I didn't really think I was even going to share initially with Jay until I'd worked and reworked and reworked it. But I finally like just kind of threw it out there. And, you know, it did go through some edits later, but, you know, I sent it off to Jay thinking like, this is like, not going to work. I don't think this is what he wants. And he was so supportive, loved it, showed it to some other, you know, women that he knew that were, you know, longtime music fans and got some feedback and came back to me. And it, I ended up coming to realize that like, other people were sharing these feelings and being less embarrassed. But I don't think that writing that personally was something that like is necessary 
necessarily natural for me. So it was when hearing them back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I wouldn't change it. It's exactly how I feel. But I think some people are maybe more willing to, I think I've become that way as I've gotten older, but I think, yeah, it's just, what can I say? That's exactly how I feel. And hearing it back, there's nothing in there that I think, oh, I don't feel that way anymore. Like I've changed my opinion. I totally stand by those words. And I'm so glad that Jay gave me the space to come to it on my time. And when I did put out something that I was really nervous about to tell me like that he loved it and thought it spoke to a larger experience, I needed that validation. You know, I think I've gotten better about caring less, but at that time, I really, I'd never, you know, written a book before. So I really needed to hear that. And he was like, this is so universal. It's great. And so off we went. Once love got done, you know, writing devotion and surrender and the introduction came in short order, but it was really that first push. And sometimes that's how it is. Like everyone's different, but I think in my process, it's really like breaking through the initial fear and then it'll flow. But it takes for me a little bit of a push to get, to get my mojo working. Yeah. I really like the part where you said, I just had to give up that anybody was going to ever read this book and just write whatever was like true in the moment for for me. And that is like where the magic lies always. Like you could tell when a musician stops caring about like the people in the audience and just like plays from that soul place. It's always so magical. And that is like exactly what you did with your writing, which is why it relates to so many people because it just like it came from what needed to come out instead of like, I'm going to write what I think everybody wants to hear. Totally. Yeah. And it really is vulnerable. I mean, these are, this is like an intimate experience, you know, and for the most part, we don't talk about it. Certainly not in those words to each other, you know, that's not really how we express in regular life. So to put that down on paper, I can imagine that that was scary and vulnerable, but it does such a, I mean, I read it and I'm just like, I'm like, yes. This is this is exactly how I feel. And also what I found too. So I this book came out before I was writing, before I wrote my dissertation and did my research where I was collecting stories from other people and bringing them all together to find themes that was, you know, you, the same amongst them all. And this book was really my inspiration. I mean, I would, to like get me into the experience of live music, I used it all the time to just flip to a picture and, you know, be able to look at the visual and to be able to read the caption because it does takes so many different people's experiences, but they're all really the same, you know, and in those like there's that same kind of feeling. I love that. That's so awesome. I love that you that you use the book that way. I mean, that's the other thing. I I didn't really have a an inkling of how the book was going to look until until we were really far into the process when I started kind of seeing, you know, the pagination and stuff. So I didn't know if it needed to have like this narrative thread. And I what I love about how it ended up is that you can really open to anywhere in the book. You don't this isn't a start to finish book. This is open it to any page. If that's the only page you look at, great. You don't need to experience the whole book in one go. You can you can really just benefit from opening it and like you said, looking at one image or reading one a quote from one person and it has a big impact, even just taken piecemeal. So I love that. I love the way it, it turned out. Yeah, I definitely used it the same way as um, Leah did too, where I just like open it up to a page in the morning and read it and have it be my intention for the day. And I think what's so special about this book too is with your words and 
capturing the quotes from the women and then the photography and the feeling is that these women are so like they're so strong like you can see how strong they are they're like these badass goddesses that are like so sexy and it's so amazing and there's not really that many books or even just like things out there that show women in that strong role and so I feel like it's such an important book because of Mm -hmm. that I totally agree like it's empowering. Like everyone should be reading this to their daughters yes. and the like youngins <laughs> because it's like here is what a strong woman looks like and they're like just surrendering and letting go to the music mm-hmm. and whatever it is that they're wearing or whatever it is that they're doing, it doesn't even matter. It's like they're just fully present and it's so cool like doing something that they enjoy and love and that it means so much more. Like we said, it's like It is the music, but it's like so much more than that. And the book really shows that and really shows women in their power. It's amazing. I totally agree with that. I love what Grace Potter wrote in her afterward when she kind of dissected, um, not dissected, but talked about like whether or not the label hippie chick is something that that we feel is you know relevant to us. And um, that was something that came up during the time that we were like touring with the book. I was on Tales from the Golden Road with Gary Lambert and talking about this same issue talking about hippie chick and you know what that term means and groupie and that kind of thing and just thinking about like I find it empowering to first of all you know create your own your own image of yourself and call yourself whatever you'd like and behave in a way that as long as it's not causing harm to other people you know to step in your power and I had that modeled for me by my mom. My mom is so wild and crazy. I mean, she's definitely known around here. I live in Utah. She's definitely known at the summer outdoor concert series for her wild dance moves. And I grew up with that. And I just never thought anything was unusual about it until like I was much older and then realized, oh, like, are they making fun of my mom? But when I was a kid, I was like, oh, this is like what we do. We can wear you know, a leotard to church, or, you know, we can paint our nails, one hand black, the other hand purple, and we can, you know, do whatever we want. I mean, really express ourselves. And that's such a luxury I've realized as I've gotten older, but that's, I grew up with like being proud of who you are. And it's just so, I love seeing women in this book, experiencing their lives and being creative, like really being in their creative power. I just love it. So I'm totally with you on that. And um, it's one of my favorite things about the book. Yeah, Terry, I'm waiting for you to say something only because I feel like you have really allowed yourself the opportunity to do that, you know, to express yourself and to be in your creative power. Yeah. And whenever I forget it, like opening up Hippie Chick is a good way to do that. Um, But yeah, people tell me all the time of like, I wish I could dress like you and or like, you're so brave to dress like that. And sometimes I'm like, is that a compliment or a backhanded compliment? I'm not sure. But I always tell them, if you want to dress like this, you just have to dress like this. Yeah, it's a choice. We always have a choice. Exactly. And decide and know that like some people might laugh at you and like yell things at you when you're walking down the street and that's okay but also I feel like when the way that I dress like people a lot of people love it and it fires them and makes them happy and to me it's worth anyone who makes fun of me to have like one person be excited because my outfit is like a little wild and it like makes their day like that is so worth it to me yeah and I feel like you know I know at least in my life I love the live music scene that we're a part of because 
I do have that positive reinforcement there, you know, or I did have that positive reinforcement as I was growing up. You know, I just mentioned that I started seeing shows before I was 20, you know, and my 20s were certainly a time where I was like trying to figure out, okay, who am I? Who do I want to represent myself as? And to be able to be positively reinforced and me showing up as who I really felt to be true to just allowed me the confidence and, and the ability to choose to do that in other areas too, if I wanted to. Yeah. Before that, I was like Abercrombie and Finch and like flannels, which is totally cool, but that I wasn't happy with it. It was, I was dressing the way that I thought that I was supposed to be. Yeah dressing and when I went to a show I like saw someone dressed like in a chicken costume and people were like high-fiving them and be like nice outfit Mm -hmm. man and then I was like oh okay this is celebrated here and you can be whatever you want to be and then I realized that life is just one big festival and so (laughs) there's no difference between who I am there and who I am anywhere else so I mean I definitely didn't start dressing the way that I did right away I would have more like tie-dye underwear on under my Abercrombie pants <laughs> and then it it was contagious and it spread all over <laughs> so Edith what has this past nine or ten months been like for you where you know live music is not happening as it was what's what has your experience as somebody who like really lives to go see live music what's what has your experience been been so weird but it's also been I mean I've been pretty lucky in that not always I've definitely had a like a nine to five salary job before but I've more recently been doing freelance editing and other projects so thankfully my work life wasn't greatly affected because I was already working remotely for different clients that wanted editing or writing projects so I'm really lucky to have held on to small work projects music I've missed. I did go to one show during this past year that had been rescheduled a few times. I think a lot of people imagined that COVID would be over by last summer. That wasn't the case. So there was a show that kept getting rescheduled and it was an outdoor seated masked show with a temperature check and asserting that you had to have no symptoms and stuff. And it was very interesting to be at a show for me that is a seated show, socially distanced and stuff like that. The social distance part, I was totally fine with. Sitting at a show is very hard for me in terms of how I engage with music. I remember going with my dad to the Beacon Theater to see the Almond Brothers. And it was like, no, you don't dance at this show. I'm like, this is a nightmare. I can't do this. Like, I'm, I'm, they're going to have to drag me out. Like, I, I have to dance. What are you talking about? So that's hard for me. But I also realized like how incredibly fortunate that I, I am that I got to be at a show, even if it was seated and um, no dancing allowed. But it's been really strange. I mean, I've listened to a lot of music at the house and and it's been I've live streamed and, and participated in some of that. Um, but it's been weird. Although I will say, like priority wise, experiencing people very close to me um, going through COVID, it just kind of like has made me prioritize, like, you know, what do I care about most? Of course, I care about music so much. But I recently watched the David Crosby documentary where they're like, you know, what if you had to choose between your family and music? I'm oversimplifying. That wasn't the exact question. He's like, uh, you know, music, you know, and I think that I've come to realize, like, I just want like, all my family and loved ones to be in the best health that they can be. So it's kind of over time, as I watch this affect people that I care about, it's over time, not become unimportant to me, I cannot wait to get to a show, but it's 
some of the sadness I had around that has like dissipated because my attention has refocused onto like, okay. And also for myself, like, how do I want to nourish myself? This isn't something I spend a lot of time on. I went to festivals so much that I'm like, okay, like tortilla chips, salsa, coffee, orange juice, like string cheese. This is like what I eat. Like, but now I'm like, I want to like think more about, you know, and I know that you both are in wellness. So it's probably very obvious to you, but it hasn't been something, even though I'm into yoga and I, you know, I care about my health. I haven't really sat and thought about like, what do I want my diet to look like? What do I want my morning ritual to look like? Should I, should I be scraping my tongue and all of that, even having like the the luxury to think about that and not be worried about like how I'm going to get food on my table is so lucky. So I've been kind of investing in self-care during this time. I've listened to a lot of music. I've tried to connect with people who've also been watching couch tour and stuff like that, but it's been, I can't wait to be at shows again. And I, and I hope that we can all do so, you know, in our best health and that everybody out there is okay. Yeah. Well, by taking care of yourself and by taking care of family, even though like you love music, but it's not a safe thing to really be doing right now. Totally. That is how you're going to get the music back. So sounds like you're doing it all right. Totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It, I think it'll be a little, you know, different. And I'm good with that. I mean, I don't know, it's definitely hard for me because I'm like a barefoot in the porta potty type of person. I know that might really be scandalous to some people. But for sure, I don't want to live in fear. But Absolutely, I want to like reevaluate some of my less hygienic practices. I guess <laughs> you know, maybe shoes to work body, simple stuff. <laughs> At least flip flops. Yeah, I don't wear <laughs> shoes. I don't wear shoes in a porta potty either. <laughs> uh, I do. <laughs> I'm a shoes in a porta potty kind of woman. <laughs> well, Edith, what's coming up next for you? What can people be on the lookout? Do you have any projects on the horizon? I do. I'm working with Jay again, which I'm so excited about. We're working on a book together about psychedelic icons. It's going to be a totally different flavor than hippie chick in terms of a lot more, well, don't count on histories of each of the people that are in this book, but it's going to be more storytelling nonfiction about different people that were important to that era, like Terrence McKenna and Timothy Leary, Mountain Girl, Wavy Gravy. And so each of these people that Jay has beautiful portraits of, there'll, there'll be stories to accompany them. So I am super excited to be working with him again. And we just kind of got started on that. So I'm, you know, researching and, and learning about it. It's awesome. I love it. Cause for me, I love to read. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm definitely not a scholar of the seventies, despite like loving tons of music from that era. So I'm having to really accumulate new knowledge and it's fun. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, to have the time to really immerse in a subject like that would be really lovely. So that's cool. I can't wait to see that when it comes out. Yeah, I'm def- whenever the pre-orders come out, I'm going to be first on the list. Amazing. You know, I'll let you know. So, <laughs> Yeah, please Yay. do. Well, anything else you'd like to leave listeners with? Last thoughts? Yeah, not really. I'm so grateful that you brought me on. I've missed talking about this. I mean, that is the other thing about not being at shows and connecting. Besides Jay, who I'm now in regular contact with as we work on this project, I really haven't been even thinking about live music very much and it's so cool to revisit this and and to know that that those days are ahead um and you know I can't wait to be to be back in the show 
Yeah. Well, we're so thankful that you were here. There's so many amazing little gems in everything that you shared. And so I know our listeners are going to really like eat up this recipe, this this podcast. Although it is a recipe, a recipe for groove therapy and for our happy, healthy life that we continue to live however it's thrown at us which right now doesn't include the live music in the way that we were having it before, but we just have to take care of ourselves and our family right now and and probably deal with the transition that might look a little different, maybe similar to what we've seen in the last few months, but who knows? Yeah, so thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you coming on too. This has been a lovely conversation. Yeah. I loved it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, and we'll be right back. And we're back. That was such a lovely conversation. And there were so many points that we hit upon that I'm just like looking forward to going back and listening myself so I can absorb everything that happened. Yeah, it was so nice. I mean, I really enjoy all of these interviews. But to be with another female that like just gets it like we do, like, it just... I don't know. There was a, a there was a special quality to that conversation. Yeah, definitely. I loved like the whole thing that she did at Electric Forest and it was about like women who want to go alone but maybe don't want to be completely alone and and how that then transpired into like having sharing circles and all of these other things that are like that's what creates a lifelong bond because there's so many people when I go to a festival, like I see them all the time and I'm like, I know you, but I know absolutely nothing about you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's really special that now like there's that whole group of people that's like, I know you and I know like I actually know who you are as a person. Yeah. I feel like that's really special. Yeah, I can imagine that it would be because it's already like this experience that connects us so deeply, you know, non-verbally. So we just feel like this really intense connection to a person, but then to have an experience within that to where, you know, we are able to see a little bit more of the person in their wholeness and their humanness, like that's just another piece that, yeah, like threads, threads that connection even deeper. Yeah. And it's so interesting because all three of us are like practitioners of that and have done that. You've done Mm -hmm. retreats that happened around some of the fish shows. And I do retreats when I bring musicians into the fold. Mm -hmm. And we really get to like know each other and do those sharing circles and really connect with each other. And so it was like, I didn't even realize it at the time when we were when we chose her to interview. But that's like such an interesting thing that connects us all together. And a lot of our listeners out there have been to at least one of our things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even within um, the festival Deep End, that's really a smaller festival, but I have done a program called All In that will attract people who may be going there by themselves and they want to get to know other people. And there's only like 500 people at that festival. So it's it's not a huge festival, but just knowing that there's going to be a smaller group that they can, you know, get a little bit more intimate with and at least know that there's going to be somebody there that they can turn to. It's really important. And especially as women, I think, because there can be that added, like, what if I get taken advantage of? Or what if somebody has, you know, doesn't have my best interests, like to know that you have somebody that has your back. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like as we talked in the Reed Mathis episode, and it's actually come up in like a lot of other episodes of that, like if you feel safe in your surroundings Mm -hmm. and you like are also trusting the band to take you there, you're going to have an amazing, impactful healing experience because you feel safe enough to be able to like go to those places. That's right. And that's where you experience awe and wonder, which is what we're about to talk about about next but it's really hard to experience that if you feel scared or threatened or you're just like not feeling safe that's right yeah those safety needs have to be met before we can reach up to those higher needs that's like maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah so let's talk a little bit about the experience of awe and wonder in the did you know So Edith mentioned the word wonder a few times, and I just got through reading this amazing book called Awestruck by Jonah Packett. And the whole time I was reading it, I was thinking about the live music experience. First of all, because that's just kind of how my brain like filters things through. (laughs) But secondly, because it's like totally speaking to the live music experience. So if anybody out there knows Jonah, (laughs) I really want him to come on the Groove Therapy podcast. So if you know him, send him a little message and kind of give him a nudge that he should come on and talk to us about this himself. But for now, I'm just going to kind of highlight some of the things that are talked about in this book and highlight some of the research that's been done on the experience of awe. So first of all, let's talk about what awe means. So the definition that Jonah proposes is that awe is the feeling that comes when we're in the presence of something so vast or profound that it transcends our understanding of the world. So I like to kind of think that it's like that mind-blowing, face rocked off, body bursted into a million sparkles, you know, just like that experience that we can have at the end of the show where we just look over at our neighbor with this wide-eyed, holy shit, what just happened? (laughs) Like whether it's at the end of a song or at the end of the show or at set break, we all have experienced that before where it's just like, wow, it's like something beyond our understanding. And so wonder and amazement are two emotions that are very similar to awe. And the key about awe is that it exceeds our current frame of reference and spurs us to adjust our mindset and worldview accordingly. And I think too that, you know, I certainly found this in my research on live music, like going to see The Grateful Dead or going to see Fish or going to see a band like that that has an audience that is like so open to expressing themselves. It like just totally blows your mind of what you may have thought was possible before, whether it's in the people that you see or the music that you're experiencing. It's like all of a sudden you walk away with this new frame of reference that wasn't there before. And so awe can be so important to us in our lives. And some of the findings that research has found on the experience of awe is that, first of all, it's a a buzz that can last beyond the experience itself, which I certainly think live music is. And I found that in my research, you know, you go to a show and that buzz, while it will start to fade as time goes on, it's still there the next morning. It's still there the day after. And 
if you keep connecting with the people that you saw it with or listening to the show again, like you can keep it going for a while. So I think that's really cool. Also, people who experience awe in their lives have been found to be happier and more satisfied with life, less materialistic. So I like to also think that live music shows us like what's important to us. And it's not all of the things that we have in our house. It reduces our stress levels, which can also have an impact on our immune system in a positive way. It changes our relationship with time, which is something that I'm working on right now in my life. (laughs) I mean, time is an abstract concept anyway, so how can we kind of be the creator of our own time? It helps us to grow and change, and it makes us more humble and less self-important to where we actually, it's about the whole instead of the individual. And I think we can all see that in our live music communities too. Yeah, so live music, going to a live music experience actually makes you a better person. That's right. (laughs) So if anyone's like, why are you doing that? Or you're wasting all your time and money, you'd be like, no, I'm doing this because it's making me a better person. And maybe that will help them to see that is amazing insight and really helpful. And so now for my section. Daily Jam. I'm going to talk about how to bring awe and wonder into your daily life. So my challenge for you is to do something that you normally do, but do it a little bit differently. So if you go for a walk every day and you normally turn right, maybe turn left. If you are left-handed and you always eat with your left hand, eat with your right hand. Um, If, I don't know, what are some other things? Let me think. (laughs) That, what do I do all the time? Um, I eat. And I go for walks. <laughs> I don't know if I do anything else these days. <laughs> um, I, I tend to like listen to the same playlist mm-hmm. over and over again. So maybe listen to a new playlist that's maybe a totally different style of music than you would normally listen to and see what happens. So that is my challenge to you is to just take something that you normally do and do it a little bit different and see what happens. And we want to hear how this goes for you. And we also want to hear what you're doing. Because just like I said, I can only think of three things. We all inspire each other with how we do things. So if you share in our Facebook community, it's the Group Therapy Podcast community on Facebook. If you share there what you're going to do and how it's different from how you normally do it, you may inspire somebody else to be like, oh, that's actually a good idea that I didn't think of. Mm -hmm. So please share that. And then also so we can celebrate with you that you did it. And then also so we can find out what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all learn from each other. Yes. Yeah. And we can find awe within other people too. (laughs) So maybe your experience could inspire a feeling of awe within side of us. It's so true. There's so many times I'll like, I'll post something. Like there's some things that I put a lot of effort to on social media that I'm like, oh, this is like a post and everyone's going to love it. And it gets, it's like crickets. And then there's another thing that I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to put this thing up. And there's like very little thought and I just put it up and it creates like the most amazing conversation and awe and connectedness. So it's like, you also like never know what's how things are going to be received. And then also like, I don't know, it's just you could try to force and think things, but if you just do it, so maybe like that is part of your awe and wonder is like, I'm not going to like think about something. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Yeah. And make it come from like 
yeah, what feels true in the moment. Yeah. So definitely let us know. Join our Facebook community, Groove Podcast Community, a Groove Therapy Podcast Community. <laughs> and follow us on Instagram at Groove Therapy Podcast there. And yeah, follow us on Apple Podcasts. Send us some love with those little hearts or stars. They have stars, but you can send us some hearts as you click on those stars. And also write us a review. It could just be like just a couple of words. As we said, send us some messages. We really love receiving those. It helps us to like just know that there's somebody out there that's listening to this and it's making a difference. <laughs> yeah. And we may read your note on the air. Yeah. So yeah. you'll be famous if that happens. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right. Do you feel complete? I feel complete. Thanks. Share oh, this episode with your friends too. That's also a great way to to let other people know about it. You can send it to your parents even or your aunts or your uncles or that person who looked at you weird for going to see the same band 50 times. <laughs> Say, hey, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, sometimes I don't have the words for things, so I let other people's words be the thing. So if you need to use us to be the words to get your family and friends that don't get it to understand, like, we'll do it. <laughs> we got you. That's right. Yes. So we'll set you free to do whatever you want to do with the rest of your time today. We love you so much. We are the Groove Therapy Podcast, and we are on the Osiris Network, and we love you. We do. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.